0: And welcome to the last installment of our conversation with Dr. David davishi Where today he'll talk about COVID, culture, and empowering your well-being with flu shots. I'm so glad that you're here today.
1: Well, I had, I had a very good friend at high school who was really into radio DJing, and actually she went on to um, be a college DJ at UVA, and then she became a professional DJ. So. I've always been a little bit jealous of that. So this is my small little opportunity to kind of be on a
0: a podcast.
1: I've never been on a podcast.
0: Can we talk about COVID a little bit? By all means. All right. So... COVID. You had it.
1: I had COVID. That's right. Oh my gosh. I was, believe it or not, Lindsay, I was actually your county's first documented case. Dun,
0: dun, dun. It's crazy. How does that feel?
1: It, w- it felt well. To be was,
0: that human with that experience.
1: I know. It yeah. was so funny because I got a call from the Department of Health 11 days after I was exposed. Um, so I was 11 days into my quote unquote quarantine and they said, how do you feel? And Dr. dashi I said, what do you mean? How do I feel? I said, you know, how do you feel? I said, I, said, I feel fine. He said, well, you were actually exposed to one of the first cases in, in town. Literally the next day, I thought it might have been the power of suggestion, but I'll tell you this: it didn't feel great for ten days because I felt pretty <laughs> darn sick. I just had this horrible headache. I felt achy all over. A couple days later, I couldn't taste or smell a thing. So it was it was a surreal experience, even for you know me as a medical person. It was very bizarre.
0: But has that come back yet? It has.
1: My t- I think my taste of smell or my sense of smell is not quite what it was. I think certain certain things don't quite smell the way they used to, but. For all intents and purposes, I can certainly taste, you know, things pretty well, and for the most part, smell a nice smell. I will say this: I mean, I'm obviously very thankful. My entire family, other than my my daughter Elizabeth, did not get it, but our exchange student got it, my wife got it, and I got it after them. But you know, certainly, I will say that it is as a medical person. Obviously, I take this pandemic very seriously. But I will just say, having had firsthand experience, you know, a absolutely thrilled at. You know, just the the compliance and the the hard work that William and Mary, you know, students, the community at large has has really put into making sure that our community is as safe as it possibly can be. I just think when I walk around campus, I'm just I'm so impressed with you know the preventative primary measures that people are taking. And yeah, I mean, other than say that it was certainly no fun for me, I know for a lot of folks, especially young students, you don't always have a lot of symptoms, but, you know, understand that for a certain subset of the population, it can be, of course, a very serious and even life-threatening illness. So yeah, it was a, it was a surreal experience. So I'm glad to have it behind me, but yeah, keep being careful. But at the same time, I want people to feel like they can engage in things that they enjoy
0: In a healthy way. In a healthy way, And I will say, you know, I'm really proud of our community and the culture that we instilled, the intentionality that was placed, and the Healthy Together initiative, because it's not like that everywhere. And I think that as we brought students back onto campus, they have really been committed to being overall healthy together. So, bravo to them. I couldn't agree
1: more. I really couldn't, Yeah.
0: And, you know, on those occasions, we're human beings, right? And we don't live with masks on constantly, and this is a virus, and it has multiple modes of entry, and, you know, on occasion, things are going to happen. So we do have practices in place to help protect our community, like Richmond Hall. Right. And so what can you share with us about an experience at Richmond Hall and how that protects our community and also as students start to navigate out of that practice and reintegrate back into the community
1: well i mean you raise a good point which is that like the name of the game is reducing risk as much as humanly possible with the recognition that you can never eliminate risk right there's always going to be risk crossing james 10 road from wawa to campus right and just as the only way to cut down on Traffic injuries probably on the highway would be to reduce the speed limit to two miles an hour. But you know, I will say, yeah, I think it's important to remember. Yeah, Richmond Hall has been, you know, just a wonderful enterprise so far, and the people that are that are managing it are just doing such an incredible job. You know, I think by having um, a dormitory that's specifically arranged to to house folks that are in isolation because they've had a positive test, or maybe in quarantine because they've been close contacts. You know, that type of quarantine and isolation, you know, it works really well. We know statistically that people with mild to moderate illness are not shedding viable virus after 10 days. So probably the safest person to be around on campus is the person who tested positive 10 or more days ago, who's not having symptoms, right? So I would just kind of reassure people who might be a little bit anxious about people coming out of isolation or quarantine, that's based in hard science, right? And the CDC and VDH guidelines are very clear that when somebody comes out of quarantine or isolation, their likelihood of infecting somebody is actually lower than the average person's, right? But with that said, I think, you know, we're still living in a time where there's a significant number of cases. And I think the best policy is always to, you know, to, to assume that everybody could potentially be infected. We know that masks work. We know that physical distancing works. We know that hand-washing works. It doesn't mean that this, the likelihood or that the possible, you know, possibility of, of transmitting it or contracting it is zero. But if we do those three... Things. I mean, that, what I call that, that triad of, of, of health. We are going to you know, keep the number of cases to an absolute minimum and also you know, limit the possibility of, uh, of an actual outbreak or um, significant clusters from occurring. So we have a really good system in place. And, you know, some students choose to go home for their isolation and quarantine. Some, some are living off campus and are able to quarantine where they're living. Um, you know, the, the Student Health Center has been in very close communication with students who test positive. We try to check in on them every day and then we release them from isolation and quarantine, you know, through a very meticulous process. Yeah, I, I just think, you know, I think William & Mary in general has done a just an exemplary job um, ever since people, you know, came back at the beginning of the semester. So, yeah, I, I only have really positive things to say about the way, you know, things are working here. And that's, I think, one of the Big reasons why we've had so, you know, so few cases.
0: And isolation and quarantine. Can you tell me what is the specific difference between those two
1: things? Well, we use the term isolation specifically to uh, refer to an individual who is tested positive, um, and that individual is expected to remove themselves from the general population and um, maintain a physical distance of greater than six feet from anybody around them. Because the nature of the virus um, and the lifeline of the virus is the way it is, an isolation is 10 days long, right? So if an individual remains asymptomatic for the final 24 days of their 10-day isolation, they are presumed to no longer be infectious. So isolation is 10 days, quarantine is 14 days. Now, why is quarantine longer than isolation? Well, quarantine applies to individuals who may be at higher risk for having it because they may have been a close contact of someone but they don't actually have a documented positive case.
0: Which in um, a close contact is, you've been
1: uh, in direct... Right. Good direct contact. So cl- close contact is defined in a couple of ways. So close contact is defined as being within six feet of somebody for more than 15 minutes. That is true whether or not you're wearing a mask or not. It's true if you're inside or outside. Um, or if you've had really direct close contact. So kissing, sharing cups, coughing on somebody, those sorts of things would also qualify as close contact. Close contact does not mean you were in the same room as somebody who was once upon a time in that room, right? But if you are deemed to be a close contact, then, you know, we have to take into account the incubation period of the virus, you know, which generally is three to five days, can be longer. So we generally recommend that people um, quarantine themselves, remove themselves from the general population for 14 days. We test them between day five and day seven, but we do monitor them for the complete 14 days. So a positive or a negative test does not greatly impact the situation. If the test comes back positive, you move into a 10-day isolation period. If it's negative, we continue to monitor you for symptoms and you complete your 14-day quarantine, at which time you you can return safely back to your previous living arrangement with the understanding that quarantine can happen over and over again so if you're in a close contact with someone else you could go right back into quarantine a day after coming out of it with isolation it's a little bit different Um, right now the data would suggest that there is uh, some immunity and protection for up to 90 days and so generally speaking after a person is isolated for a positive test we do not recommend retesting for it for the next 90 days particularly if they remain asymptomatic
0: have we had cases where people had it contracted it twice
1: there are, there are studies um, certainly uh, out there indicating that some people have. We don't have any cases on campus of anyone contracting it a second time. But, you know, much is, remains to be learned about COVID, and we still don't know um, much about uh, the antibody titers, how protective they are, how long they last. Some of that is, you know, we're still learning. But there, there have been some case reports of people that have gotten it a second time now.
0: But for the record... Mm-hmm. As people come out of quarantine and isolation from Richmond Hall or at home or wherever they are, probably the safest person to be around out of anyone.
1: That's true. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, like I said, we we, tell, we still tell people even after they've had COVID. I mean, that doesn't mean you can just sort of doff your mask and, you know, run wild through the community. But, you know, certainly there is some uh, level of protection for some period of time. But really the name of the game is just ongoing primary prevention wear that mask when that physical distancing can't be maintained keep your hands washed this is good i mean this is good advice for flu season as well as it is for covid
0: can we talk about flu shots please yeah yes. okay so flu shots why is it more important now than before in years past to get a flu shot or is it more right. important now than it is I mean, I
1: don't, yeah, I don't know, honestly, Lindsay, that I would say it's more important to do it now uh, than ever, but I will say this, you know, we don't have a lot of data of what it's like to be co-infected with influenza and COVID at the same time, right? We haven't seen a lot of people in that situation. So that would be one reason why certainly getting your flu shot this year would be wise. And really, if you think about when you get your flu shot, it's really for your protection, but it's also for the protection of the people around you. There is there is such a thing as herd immunity when you vaccinate enough people and so I would argue that the flu shot is important every single year. Um, and, you know, particularly this year, because there is another virus out there and we don't know how the two of them interplay. But, you know, truth be told, the vaccine is not perfect. People can still get, you know, a, uh, a lessened version of, of the flu, even have, having had the, the vaccine. But it does tend to be ameliorated. So it's not usually as severe. You know, if you're young and healthy, you know, it's probably not quite as critical as for those individuals over sixty five or with heart or lung conditions who can have higher levels of complication. But again, it gets back to the idea that, hey, we have a vaccine that's actually reasonably effective against a virus that can, you know, kill a lot of people. You know, sixty some thousand people died of the flu in twenty seventeen. So it's not a benign illness. So I would say it's certainly as important this year as it's ever been. So and this year, as you know, we're we're doing flu shots over in Kaplan and you know your universal COVID test and then get flu shot on the same day.
0: So what exactly happens in your body when you receive a flu vaccination?
1: So when your body is presented with anything that is foreign, right, it sees, we call that an antigen, right, it immediately decides that that's other and that's not part of your body and it doesn't belong here. So um, with, in the case of a vaccine, you are presented with some weakened version of that antigen, which allows your body to create antibodies, okay? So these are proteins specifically directed against the antigen. So, and it takes about two weeks really for your body to mount that antibody response. So people who get their flu shot uh, can still be, uh, you know, contracting the flu the following day because that antibody response hasn't occurred yet. But because the virus does mutate over time, you know, the antibodies aren't effective forever and the antibodies level wane over time. So. That's why you get the flu shot every year. A, because the virus mutates and it's a different strain. And so the old antibodies may not be effective against that. And two, the antibodies do tend to wane over time. But basically your your immune system responds by effectively producing a protein which is designed to eradicate the the specific antigen. It's
0: amazing how
1: it works. It is. The the human body body is so so incredibly complex and, and so incredibly yeah just amazing in so many ways
0: and so really if you have concerns or fears about illness although this isn't a covid vaccination it really does seem like taking your flu vaccination this year in particular although always important is one of those things that might help you feel a little bit more empowered as you go out into the world
1: i agree i mean i think i mean it's it's doing something nice for your own body but also doing something good for those people around you who might be at higher risk yeah
0: all right Well, is there anything else that you want to
1: share? Oh gosh, no. Well, I mean, I don't know. I feel like this has been such a pleasant encounter. I feel like I could talk to you forever, but I, I don't, don't know that I have anything else to add.